Good evening. Oh, come on, it's Saturday night. We've got to try better than that. Good evening. Good evening. There you go, there you go. Let's try it one more time, but let's do it just like the University of Kentucky just won the national championship. All right, here we go. One, two, three. Good evening. There we go, there we go. I felt like I was in Rupp Arena. I felt like I was in Rupp Arena. Um, Hey, good evening. My name is Mitchell McIntyre, and I am the student minister at Bedford Acres Christian Church, and uh, I've had the privilege to work with Chris in the past, and he asked me to come up here um, and to speak tonight, and when he called me about a month ago, he said, hey man, I just want you to know that when uh, we get the chance to do ministry together, it always turns out great, and it seems like the Holy Spirit's there, and God really just moves, and I said, brother, amen to that. And uh, he called this week um, on Tuesday, and he said, hey, by the way, I'm not going to be there. And I said, what about the Holy Spirit? He said, he'll be there anyway. Hey, and, and, and I heard a comment about the, this is the B team. If this is the B team, I don't want to see the A team. I mean, this, this, a, this B team was awesome. They're the real A team. Give them a round of applause. <laughs> Although if, if Chris is the A team and that's the A team they have there, I would love to see him with a Mr. T haircut. Can you guys just imagine that? The big mohawk and driving the van and, you know, A team. Um, yeah, that'd be great. Um, tonight we're going to talk about, we're going to start off with a series called My Story. And if you have uh, one of these uh, inserts right here, we're kind of going to be walking through that. If you want to follow through that and that kind of pattern, we're going to be talking about that tonight. Here's the thing I want you to understand, is that we all have stories, especially a life story. And when I say a life story, what I'm really just referring to is kind of your journey through life. And here's the thing, is usually when we talk about our life story and our journey through life, sometimes it's ups and sometimes it's downs, sometimes we're in the valley, sometimes we're in the pits, sometimes we're at the top of the mountain and we can see everything and it looks good. No matter who you are, you have a story and you have a life story. Now some of you may think, well, my story's small. Some may think, well, no, my story's big and long. Others may think, well, I got a pretty funny story, you wouldn't believe it. Some of you probably have amazing stories of how God has worked in your life. And I'd like to start off tonight with just kind of taking a quick second and sharing my testimony, my story, my life story. And it began, obviously, when I was born and I came into this world. Um, but even before that, God knew me and he created me in my mother's womb, Psalms 139 tells us. But as I came into this world, I came into the loving arms of my parents, um, my mother and father, who were married and together. And for the next 11 years of my life, we would go to this place called church, and we would worship God there. And my dad even became a lay pastor at our church. And uh, I was a typical Kentucky kid. I loved rooting for the Cats. I played basketball and football. Obviously, I played football. I mean, come on. Um, and... And uh, I had a pretty normal childhood. Here's the thing is that I grew up in a great neighborhood where I knew all my neighbors' names. And I could go and knock on their door and go into their house and, and hang out anytime. And, and some of my best friends were my neighbors. And I had a great childhood growing up. And, and I could say my elementary school was filled with great godly teachers and great teachers who loved and who helped educate me. But when I was about 11 years old, something drastic changed. Here's what happened. As a preacher was preaching a sermon one day, and I don't know if you've ever felt this, but I felt this thing in my heart where I was like, 
something's missing. And I remember telling my grandmother who was sitting beside me, Mama, I think something's missing out of my life. She said, you need Jesus. And I remember walking down and talking to the pastor that day and, and telling him that I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life when we prayed right there. That was a powerful moment in my life. And for the next six months, I got super serious, even at the age of 11 years old, about coming to church and serving at church and being a part of the youth group. I even came to the uh, Saturday morning men's breakfast that was at 7 o'clock. Can you imagine an 11-year-old getting up at seven or 6 o'clock on a, on a Saturday? Exactly, and being at the church at 7. But I got super involved. And it was some of the best times of my life. And I remember about six months after that had happened, I met with a pastor at our church, and I, I told him his name was Mr. Rule, Brother Rule, as we called him. I said, Brother Rule, I feel, I feel like God's calling me to do more. What can I do? I, I feel like I want to I be like you when I grow up. I want to I I preach. I want to teach. I want to I share the good news of Jesus and what he's done for me and, and, and what the Bible says. And he said, well, you know what? That's great. And I remember him coming over to my grandmother's house and he prayed with me one day and he said, Lord, use this young man for ministry. I remember that day thinking, I'm going to be a preacher one day. I'm going to be a preacher one day. And as I left my grandmother's that day, I just remember thinking, God is so awesome. God is so awesome and so good. And then something happened about three months later that devastated my life and took all that away from me. And I gave it up. About 2 o'clock in the morning, one evening on a Wednesday night, my mom woke me out of my bed. She asked me to go downstairs and to get in the car with my grandmother who was downstairs in the car. She wouldn't tell me why. My mother got in the car too, and I saw my dad come out of our house and he was yelling. He was really upset, and I didn't know why. As my mother and my grandmother decided to leave, we left in her car and went to her house. My mom put me in the guest bedroom at my grandmother's, and she just said, don't worry about it. Your dad will explain everything tomorrow. And I woke up that Thursday morning, and I went to school and didn't know what to think and talked to all my friends, and I thought, I don't know. I can't remember the last thing I've done that was really bad, but I guess I'm really in trouble. And... Uh, you know, I came home that day from school, and my dad was at my grandmother's house, and my dad sat me down, and he said, son, your mother and I are getting a divorce. I'm in love with another woman. What? What, dad? What are you saying? I was so puzzled. I was so puzzled. And then immediately after that, I remember running outside to my grandmother's basketball court. She had a basketball court that I'd shot basketball my entire life. And I ran out there and I had a basketball. I didn't even want to shoot it. I just wanted to throw it because I was so angry at my dad. And I was so angry at my, my mom too. I didn't know why. And then I started to become angry at God. And you know what happened? My dad left the church and didn't come back. And my mom decided she didn't want to go there either. And then a couple weeks later, I decided I didn't want to go. And I remember the Bible that the pastor gave me, and it was sitting on my 
on my dresser in my room. I took this Bible, and I was so angry at God and so fierce. God, how could you let this happen? I remember taking this Bible and being so mad at God that I threw it. I threw it. And you know what happened for the next seven years? I walked away from church. I walked away from any type of ministry. And most of all, I walked away from God. That's kind of how my story starts. That's how my story started. But it didn't end there. And maybe you have a story like that. Maybe you have something that is familiar. Maybe your story's been like that. Maybe your family story's been like that. You have people in your family that have went through things and, and they could tell the same type of story. But they were really, really focused on God and something dramatic happened in their life. And their faith was shattered. And they turned away from God. And you know what? Here's what I'd done is I'd put my pastor, my dad, and all these people on a pedestal. And when they fell, I lost my focus. Listen to what Hebrews chapter 12 says. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. My relationship with Jesus, Jesus didn't do anything to me to stop my relationship with him. But you know what? I thought he did. And I blamed everything that was happening in my life on him. And maybe in your life you've had situations where you've thought, God, why have you abandoned me? God, why have you done this? Why have you turned these things this way? But here's what I want to say is that God didn't abandon me. God didn't leave me. God didn't even run away when I threw the Bible. More than anything, God wanted me just to say, Daddy. He just wanted me to turn to him. I didn't do that. Didn't do it at all. But as I said, my story doesn't end there. If you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn to Daniel chapter 6. If you've got your outline, we're going to be starting right there. Daniel chapter 6, I'm just going to kind of summarize it for us. But basically, it's the story of, of Daniel in the lion's den. And maybe you heard this in Sunday school growing up. Maybe you've um, read the story to your children. Maybe your grandmother's read it to you as a, uh, as a young person. But in this story, it starts off in the first ten verses of Daniel's doing this. Daniel is a righteous man who wants to live for God. And everything in his life, he's trying to please God. And he's in this place, he's in this land that's foreign, and they don't worship God. But he does. And so people start to see that he comes in to work, and he does his very best. He does his best to please God. And in everything he does, the king, Darius, says, you know what, Daniel, you're great. You're great at everything. And then what happens is all the people that are around him, his co-workers start to get jealous. And they start to find ways to turn against him. And so they start looking for flaws in the way he's working. But they can't find one thing against him. And so you know what? They decide, you know, there's one thing we know about Daniel is Daniel loves God. And we're going to try to take that and use it against him. So they went to the king and they made up this foolish thing that said, you know, king, you should be the one who's bigger than anybody. You should be the God. You should be worshipped. 
that whole idol thing. And so when they did that, the king said, you're right, I need the power, I'm the king. So they made some laws, talked about not worshiping God. But what happened is Daniel continued to worship God, even at the threats of being thrown in the lion's den. As the story continues, we know that he is thrown into the lion's den, but because of his faithfulness, God protects him. God watches over him, and he is not eaten by the lions. Now, here's what I want you to understand, is that Daniel didn't have the easiest situation. He's in a land where it's not easy to worship God. He's in a situation where his co-workers don't like him. He's got all rights to just say, you know what, I give up and I don't want to endure this. But Daniel decides to carry on. He decides, you know what, to worship God, I understand there's going to be ups and downs. I understand there's just going to be things where sometimes it's out of my control and all I've got to do is just let go and let God. And maybe you kind of go to work right now and... You just kind of have those dreaded Mondays. Or maybe it's, it's like it's Wednesday and you're sending that video of the camel saying it's hump day, you know, and you're just waiting for that day just to end and you're waiting for Friday and you can't just, you just, you're just so excited for Friday. Or maybe it's this, maybe it's a situation where you go to work and you just try to do whatever you can just to get by. You try to annoy, co-wor- you try to get away from annoying co- co-workers, you try to Um, escape whatever the boss will say. And maybe you're just in a situation where work is not really the place you want to be. When I was in college, um, since the age of 15, I've I've always had a job. And since the age of 18, I've always had a full-time job, and most of the time I've had two jobs. Um, And when I was in college, I was a full-time college student. I knew I had to pay for college, and so I worked in a warehouse and my dad happened to be the plant manager of the warehouse. And I remember one day, my dad said to me, you know what, Mitchell, I need you to sweep the floor. Well, once you understand, this warehouse is about five Supercenter Walmarts. And my dad says, here's the broom. And he asked me to sweep the floor. Well, not only did that happen, but my dad let everyone else go because we were done with the work that we needed to do except for sweeping the floor. And I was the last person left with four hours left of the day to sweep the floor. And I went out there and I took the broom and I kind of just piddled around. I'd go over here and go over here. And about three and a half hours later, my dad came out and he said, so how far did you get? And I said, oh, I'm, I'm pretty much done. And he went and looked at some of the areas and he said, son, let me, let me talk to you for just a second. He said, did I ask you to, to sweep this floor? I said, yeah, Dad, you, you did. Did you really sweep it to the best of your ability? Did you do it to the best of your ability? Just answer me that one question. I looked at my dad and I said, Dad, no, I didn't. My dad said this. He said, son, I want you to understand that there's going to be times in life where you have to do things that you don't want to do. And that's when you got to have something my dad coined right there as the have-to muscle. It's when you do something that you have to do even though you don't want to. And folks, when we're Christians, there's going to be things, there's going to be times where situations are going to arise where we're going to have to do things that we don't want to do. We're going to have to say to the bank teller, you gave me an extra 20. We're going to have to say, 
you know, to the, the co-worker, no, I can't go to the party this weekend. There's going to be things that are going to happen where we're going to have to stand up for God. And here's what Daniel does is he has to do the same thing. Is he has to take a point to either go along with the crowd or to stand up for God. But here's why Daniel wanted to do that. Because he cared about his story. His story was important to him. His story. And so when you think about the story of Daniel and you think about him being in the lion's den, you think that Daniel was faithful, that he trusted God. If you think about to the New Testament, you think of what Paul says, that he would run the race and he would run it obedient till the end of the race. And he can do that because he knows the end of the race is heaven. And if we as the church know that, that we know the end of our race is heaven and we have this dash from birth to end in between, shouldn't we be thinking about the story we live behind? Think about this. My, uh, my mother-in-law is big into genealogy. Is anybody big into genealogy? She's really big into genealogy. She traces all these families down and everything. And she could tell you great aunts and great, great, great uncles and all this. And they're related to Abraham Lincoln and all, all these things. And anyway, she, she, she just loves it. And one day she was going through all this and she was talking about all these people and all these family members. And I just thought to myself, I can't even name my great-grandmother's maiden name. I can't even name her maiden name. I know her last name, but what was her maiden name? And I couldn't think of it. I thought, man, I love my great-grandmother. I've loved spending time with her. I loved all the times that she's read to me, all the games she's played with me, games of checkers and, and different things. But you know what? I couldn't remember her last, her maiden name. But you know what I can remember? I can remember all those special times that my, grandma, my great-grandmother played checkers with me when she read the Bible to me, the loving spirit that she had, the fruits of the spirit that she displayed. And as I think about my great-grandmother, I think about her testimony of three daughters who grew up faithful, even though they lived in a coal camp for their entire um, childhood, grew up faithful in the Lord and all believers. And then her grandchildren who grew up to have three doctors, a lawyer, three well-known businessmen, who are Christian men in the community. And I think about her great-grandchildren who became preachers, also doctors, nurses, different things. And as I think about it, maybe I don't know her maiden name, her testimony, her story lives on past that. Her story is more important than what her, her maiden name was. And maybe you think, well, Mitchell, that's great, that's... That's great, I, I understand that she had a great story, but you don't understand, my story is too bad. You don't understand what I've done. I've, I've made some mistakes, and I've been that person that, you know, I've messed up, and I don't really think that God can love me. Well, here's what I want to say, is that God can love you. Think about in the Bible with the prodigal son, that he takes everything, and he squanders it away. He takes all the money and squanders it away, and he comes back running to the father. And what's the father do? The father doesn't wait and wait for him to get in and pound his fist. The father leaves his place and he runs. The Bible says he runs towards the son. In that same way, God's doing that. Thinking about the woman at the well. When, God, when Jesus was there and he was talking to her. And no one in the society accepted her. But Jesus did. And for even a Hebrew man to talk to her 
would have been a big deal, but for her to know that the living water was there, to know that the Son of God was there and that he revealed that to her. I mean, there's plenty of stories of people in the Bible who messed up, who made mistakes. But what happened is, a lot of them, most of them, when they encountered God or when they encountered Jesus in the New Testament, then they changed. Think about Rahab in the Old Testament, in the book of Joshua. A prostitute decides and realizes that there's something different about these Hebrew spies, and she decides to be faithful and follow and help God. Or think about Boaz. Boaz has got a simple story. All he does is marry someone so he can continue their lineage, continue their line. And it's really important that he does that because he becomes the great-grandfather of King David. It's also in the line and lineage of Jesus. Or think about one of my favorite stories in 2 Kings, Captain Naaman. Here's this man that doesn't even worship or believe in God, but is regarded as this great soldier, this great captain. And he comes to this place because he's got leprosy. He's covered in all this disease and all this uh, turmoil. And he's got this leprosy all over his body. And he comes to the prophet Elisha and he says, I just want to be cleansed. And Elisha just simply says, go and dip yourself seven times and you'll be cleansed. And he's got all these jewels and all this money and all these fine clothes. And he says, don't you want all this? Don't, here, I brought all this. What, you're supposed to do some kind of miraculous thing. But God makes it simple for him. And he simply says, this is what I need you to do. Dip yourself seven times. And the Bible says when he comes up on the seventh time that he is completely cleansed. Here's what I want you to understand. God doesn't want perfect people. He wants broken people. Amen? Amen. Jesus said that the doctor came for the sick. And here's the thing. is, you think, well, that's great. Jesus accept me just as I am. You're right. Jesus will accept you just how you are. And whatever you've been through, whatever your story is, he will take that and embrace you. But here's what he's going to do is he's going to take that story and he's going to say, I don't want to finish it there. I want to take it to the next page. And he may ask you, just as a doctor may ask you to do certain things, he may ask you to change certain things in your life. And you may have to ask yourself certain questions like, God, what do you want from me? God, do I need to go and do something? Is there something I need to cut out of my life? Is there something that you're just asking me just to get rid of? God, is there something I need to do? Maybe this year I need to go on a mission trip for the first time. God, maybe I need to commit to serving in the nursery at church for the first time. God, I don't know what it is, but whatever you want to do, I want you to write my story. I want you to write my story. See, we must understand that Jesus doesn't care so much about our past as much as he cares about our future. And more than anything of why Jesus died on the cross and why we just celebrated Easter is because he wants each and every one of us to be in heaven with him. God created it in the beginning for us to have a perfect relationship with him. And Adam and Eve had that perfect relationship with God, but that got broken. But Jesus died and paid the penalty that we couldn't pay so that we could have that relationship with him again, so that we could be with him again. As one college professor says, every saint has a past, but thank God that every sinner has a future. Amen? You know, I told you at the opening of the message about my story. So I was 11 years old. In the next seven years, I, 
I didn't really go to church. I, I didn't really think about God, and the choices I made in my life weren't God-honoring. And then what happened is I graduated high school. I had the chance to go to some universities, and, and I went and visited them, and it didn't feel right, and I didn't do it. And I had the chance to, to go to some smaller colleges, and I went to visit, and it didn't feel right. So I decided, you know what, I'll do this thing. I'll take a year off. I'll take a year off. So I said, I'm just going to work for a year. And I was looking for a job, and I couldn't find a job around my hometown. And since my parents were divorced, my dad lived about two hours away from where I lived, and he lived in Louisville, Kentucky. And my dad said, why don't you come and work in my warehouse and help me out? I said, okay. And so as I began to, to go down to Louisville and work with my dad, it was a normal job, just working with my dad, working in this warehouse, and I just thought, why am I in Louisville? What am I doing? All my friends said, you're in Louisville? That makes no sense. Why don't you come with us to one of these universities? But for some reason, I stayed there. And a year went by. And finally, we, we decided to move. Our house that we were living in, what we were renting, the landlady just came over one day, and I remember this day, she came over one day, and she said, you guys got to get out of here, and my dad, and my stepmom, and all of us looked puzzled, and thought, what, what are you talking about, and she just said, I'm going to rent this to someone else, I promised them, you got a month to get out, and so we ended up finding a new place, and we moved into this new place, and one of the first weeks of being in this new place, there was one of our neighbors, and his name was Jeff, let me tell you what, I'm so thankful that Jeff came over. Jeff came over, him and his wife, and uh, their little boy, Scholar came over, and he brought us uh, some cupcakes that his wife had made. He just said, hey, my name's Jeff, and uh, I just want to meet you guys, and um, I've got a little brother at the time and, uh, who was Skylar's age, and he said, hey, you know, if John wants to come over and play with Skylar, he's more than welcome, whatever we can do. And for the next couple weeks, Jeff came over to our house, and he'd just say, hey, we're going to the park. Would you, you guys like to go with us? Uh, hey, guys, we're having a cookout at our house. We'd love for you to come over. And then I remember the day we're over at Jeff's house. And Jeff says this. Hey, guys, it's been really great to know you, and uh, we just really appreciate you guys coming over tonight. And we got to kind of end this here in a little bit because we got to get ready in the morning for, for something we, we go to called church. And he said, would you guys like to come with us? And we gave that, that, that answer of, oh, well, yeah, we'd love to come, but we've got stuff to do, because stuff happens, and we've got to do it. And Jeff just said, oh, that's all right, I just wanted to invite you, I just hope you guys would, would come. So we went home, we kind of laughed about the whole going to church thing, and then the next week, Jeff came over, and he said, hey, you know, guys, we're still going to church this week, if, if you'd love to come, you know, hey, we'll, we'll pick you up, whatever we can do. He said, no thanks, Jeff, we're good, we've got stuff to do. And the third week, Jeff came over, and he didn't talk to anyone but my dad. He came to my dad, he said, hey, I just want you to maybe come to church with us, just try it out. I said, you know, we've got a great speaker coming in this week, I'd love for you just to hear him. So my dad went, nobody else in my family went, but my dad woke up and he went. And my dad came back that Sunday, and he didn't really say much, he was really quiet until the next Sunday when he went back and he came home and he told my stepmom, we're going to church next week. And it was just him and my stepmom. And they went. And then three weeks later, you know what happened? 
my little sister and my little brother went. And then a month later, my dad asked me to go. And he said, son, I want you to go to church. He said, son, I rededicated my life and I realize I've been far from God and, and your sister accepted him as, your, as her savior and, and your stepmom rededicated her life and we've not been walking right with God, but God's got a, a plan for us and, and we believe it and, and son, we'd love for you to come with us. I just thought, dad, come on, do you remember church? Do you remember being back? Dad, how can we, we go? My dad said, son, I just want you to go because I love you. He said, listen, I've been an imperfect, I've been an imperfect earthly father, but I would love to point you to a perfect heavenly father. A couple weeks went by, and I finally decided to give it a chance. I went into church, and they went to a large church, and it was about 6,000 people there that morning, and I just thought, wow, this is six flags over Jesus here. This is crazy. Big lights and all this. And then the preacher got up and he preached this message and it was powerful. I thought, wow, I'll give this another shot. For the next month I went back, and then two months, then three months, and then four months of being there. I remember this moment. The preacher just preached this awesome sermon and the worship team had came up and they were singing this song. And this song was just saying, the Lord will not leave you. The Lord is there. He's going to forgive you. I remember bawling like a baby looking at my dad. My dad's a big guy too. And I said, Dad, I don't know what's wrong. He said, Son, let's walk forward. And the pastor was there. I couldn't even, I blubbered. I blubbered. I couldn't even say it. I just said, Jesus. I just said, Jesus. I remember sitting and, and making a decision to follow the Lord, rededicating my life and changing my life that day. I said, God, I'm not following you the way I need to. And God, I want you to take this, take this bad story away and write a new story. And my, that day, my focus truly became on the Lord. My life became the Lord's. And it's been one of the greatest adventures, journeys, and stories that I've ever been on. I'm so thankful for it. Amen? I want to close with this. God loves you so much that He endured the cross, that He paid your debt, that He wants nothing in return but you. And church, here's the thing, is that when I gave my life to Christ, when I decided, you know what, my, my story had a bad start and it didn't really work out the way I thought it was going to work out, but God, I'm going to be faithful to you now. And here's the thing is, is since being a Christian, there's been ups and downs. Things that happened where sometimes I was in college and I didn't know how money was going to happen to pay and a check would just come. There was times when, you know, I thought, um, me and my wife, I thought, God, how are we going to afford this house? How are we going to make this happen? And, and God just allowed it to happen. And then there's been times in my life where I've really been in the worst positions when our house burned down. And I remember when our house burned down that my wife was in a, another house with our four-month-old baby at the time and I was outside. And you know what song came on? You know what song came on in my head? As you give and take away, but still I'll say, blessed be the Lord. And church, that's really what it's about. Maybe tonight 
You need to make a decision to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Maybe tonight you need to say that Burlington Baptist is going to be your home church. Maybe you just need to have a rededication to forgive a co-worker, a family member, somebody in your past who's wrong. Maybe you just need to stand before the Lord at the altar here tonight and just confess some things that have been on your heart and on your mind and say, Lord, thank you that you would save me. Thank you that you would write this story and that your son Jesus would be at the center of the story. As the worship team comes up, I know there's decisions that we all need to make and the altar's here for you just to confess prayers, to cry out to the Lord, to just admit things that you just need to tell Him. And then maybe you just need to grab a friend and just go with them and pray at the altar. Maybe there's some things this past week that haven't really went, went, haven't really went well. And maybe you just need to confess those to God. Maybe you just need to take this time as we sing this song to just give adoration to God and cry out to God, God, thank you. God, thank you that you would love me. Thank you, God, that you would accept my story. And God, you would change me and make me new. As we get ready for this invitation time, I just ask that you think about those things. Maybe you need to come up during this invitation time and take the communion and spend an extra time at the altar and just thank the Lord that his son would pay the price, that his son would bleed, that his son would be tortured for all of us. And also, during this invitation time, it's a time just to think about all the many blessings God's given us and a time to worship through offering. There's going to be buckets up here for you to do that. Whatever your decision is, I just pray you don't wait. Don't wait. Just let the Lord move in your life. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we are so humble. We are so very humble. The fact that you would write us into your story. Lord, and there's some decisions that we need to make tonight. Lord, some of us need to, to think about what you want us to do. Maybe you're calling us to do something, Lord. Some of us need to think about some things in our life that we just need to stop and put away. Lord, some of us need to think about things that maybe we're, we're thinking about doing, but we haven't asked you about. Lord, maybe you're just wanting us to, to do just as Psalms 46 says, just to be still and to know that you're God. Lord, for, for some of us, maybe you're just asking us to go, to just get up and decide to go into work this week and say, you know what? Lord, I can share Jesus here. Lord, I can love my coworkers. I can love my friends. I can go back home and I can love these people. Lord, whatever the decisions we have to make tonight, Lord, I pray we just come running like the prodigal son to you. Because, Lord, I know that you are a Father in heaven who is perfect and who is waiting for us. Thank you, Lord. You're just not sitting back, but you're running towards us. Lord, as we sing, let it be our, let it be our prayer. Let it be our confession, Lord. Let it be our surrender to you. Lord, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.